Welcome to Dragon Time! Oh, there's a new guy in our audience. That wasn't a new person. That was you, Shelly Mazenoble. That was not me, Greg Tito. You are a ventriloquist star. I am, actually. And you do have good hair. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, I put lots of product Left in that. Welcome to Dragon Talk, guys. This is the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Right. We do things officially here. We do. We are talking this week to John Darnielle from the Mountain Goats. Yay! A wonderful musician and gaming aficionado. Yeah. all-around creative dude. Novelist. Novelist. Yeah. Short story writer. Yeah. Novella creator. Yeah. Music critic. Yes. Parent. Guitarist. <laughs> Uh, all of those things, uh, they are in town here performing at the Showbox in Seattle, as and, well as Numos. And Numos. Uh, a couple of cool venues. Um, I have fallen in love with Mountain Goats music over the last uh, couple of years, so it's been really cool seeing and, be, and being a part of their, yeah. their, their whole scene. You guys have a lot in common. Their new album, In League with Dragons, uh, very fantasy-tinged. Announced. Where? Right here, here at which the coast. How cool is that? That was really cool. I can't believe that was just earlier this year. I can't believe it was that long ago, though. I would have said, oh, that must have been in May. Just a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, and then he came to D&D Live, performed yeah. uh, amazing songs there, streaming for everyone. So if you haven't seen that performance, definitely go uh, onto our YouTube channel and watch that, as well as the one where he announced In League with Dragons. And, in front uh, of our dragon. In front of Mitzi, mm-hmm. our dragon. It's true. Uh, so look forward to that interview. Uh, we also have some lore you should know coming up, um, potentially about things that are of interest to you, like trolls. <laughs> I think for sure. No, we did the They'll trolls one already. Uh, so there's other fun things that are coming. Yes. Also things that are coming are Baldur's Gate Descent to Avernus. Okay. It is now September. It is like a hair's breath away. Oh, I feel like we've been talking about this a for months and months and months. It's devil's like, fingernail away. It's this month, everyone. It's happening right now. People oh, are already playing. That's true. It's happening. Kate Welch is playing in a awesome yes um, uh, preview adventure on yep. IGN. If you are interested, find that uh, on their website. Uh, yes. She got to play with uh, folks from IGN as well as um, Tyler Jacobson. Oh, I didn't realize those two knew each other. The cover artist for huh. Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. Amazing. Also known One as... One of my favorite covers. A Affiance. A Her fiance. Her fiance. <laughs> uh, so that's really exciting. Um, check it out. Of course, uh, there's a lot of things going on with hell in Descent into Avernus. The nine yes. hells, I should say. Yeah. Uh, all of the layers of them. There's also going to be a cool Pip Yaps guide to the nine hells uh, coming out from the Adventurers League and wow. Dungeon Masters Guild Adepts, uh, which will detail uh, what's happening in the other layers of hell. So like that's a pretty tour. interesting. Like a travel guide. Like a travel guide, yeah. Cool. Yeah, check it out if you can. Like We're it. also going to be doing a wonderful podcast into Avernus promotion around uh, release date, which is September 17th. So look for uh, DungeonsAndDragons.com for more information on that. Nice. It's going to be on our other RSS feed, Like Dungeon a bunch of Delve. people playing... A bunch of podcasts? Yeah, and they're going to rustle their clothes right into hey, the microphone. I got to pop my collar, you guys. Sorry. <laughs> this pop uh, filter doesn't cover that, apparently. Whatever. <laughs> my collar Lift your collar up. itching me. You got to do it. You got to do what you got to do. Sorry. 
Um, there's also a little expansion coming to a game called Dungeon Mayhem. That's right. Battle for Avernus. It's so cute. Wait, it's it's Battle that. for Baldur's Gate, yo. I spit on the pop filter now. There's like saliva all over Good it. Good thing it's your microphone. <laughs> exactly. I only sit in this wow. microphone, so that's all. That's well, it. You know Someone what? else was sitting in your seat, though, Rude. a lot this summer, it feels like. It was like once? Twice. Oh. Three times a lady. Was it three times a lady? Uh, that lady no. being Kate Welch? It once, uh, a couple times it was Kate Welch, uh, and then Gaurav Kalati uh, had the rare honor of hosting for his own interview. Whoa. I know, right? It was crazy. That's kind of wild. But it was lots of fun. Yeah. Uh, he did a great job. Uh, and so, um, you know, we've got like a C option at this point. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fly him up good, from L.A. Good to know that I um, am replaceable. No, nah, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Um, we'll see about that collar, though. We're going to replace that collar <laughs> on your jacket. What's wrong with my collar? It's popped. we got to replace your microphone. You've got to replace now your that face. Now it's covered in saliva. <laughs> uh, so, yes, uh, Battle for Baldur's Gate comes out on <laughs> September 17th. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like that. It felt like a Dungeon Mayhem card. That's why I said it that way. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, that's all on September 17th. We've got Tyranny of Dragons, uh, which is a combo of the two volumes for uh, the first adventure path that yeah, came out for Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. That was before I was even here. Really? I was playing with John Bolding. Uh, uh, who comes up in this interview. Who comes up in this interview. That's right. He's my friend from Durham, North Carolina. In fact, that's how uh, we have forged our relationship with John Darnielles through Whoa. John Bolding. So shout out to John, even though... <laughs> I feel like uh, I always mention this, but uh, he had a specific problem with ball bearings being added to 5th edition, uh, and Nathan Stewart was the reason why ball bearings are in 5th edition. And what? so Nathan's like leaned into that. It's very funny. Really? Yeah. So, fun things all around for yeah. bearings of balls out there. Wow. I am excited for all the things that are coming. I feel like uh, there's one more thing. Oh, right. Eberron. Eberron yeah. Rising from the Last War is coming out November 19th. Yep. Um, that is a huge book. Do you know that's 320 pages of nonstop Eberron action? That's a very meaty book. It's a meaty. Yep. There is uh, a wealth of information for players and dungeon masters alike. We'll be going into more detail on that in the weeks to come because uh, it's November 19th. So, well, do you yeah. know what else November 19th is? <gasps> a lot of things. Yeah. What? Dungeons and Dragons versus Rick and Mortai. Tabletop role-playing game adventure box set. Oh God. An oh. entire set. Devoted to playing, how would you describe it? Well, I can say that we had to increase the size of the adventure book because we have so much amazing content in there. Um, you're going, it's Rick. Let's say that Rick Sanchez is, this is his D&D, and this is he, him as a dungeon master. And it's his dungeon that he's going to run you through. Nice. So um, you can expect the unexpected, as they say on Big Brother. <laughs> but not on Bachelor in Paradise. Definitely not. Which also comes There is nothing video. unexpected on Bachelor in Everyone Paradise. Everyone knows exactly. It's very formulaic. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it is. Oh, God, it's so funny. It's so terrible. Let's do Wait, it. Let's do this lore you should know on. What's terrible? Did you just call Rick and Morty terrible? No, I was saying Bachelor in Paradise is terrible. Well, um, I, I moved on. Maybe we should uh, create a uh, hellscape with which uh, the Bachelors shall escape. Yes. In Rick and Morty. Let's do it. Yes. All right. I'm all down. Uh, let's listen to some lore before we get to our interview. You want to do that? Yes, I do. I'm going to beamed into my brain pan. <laughs> Bing bong. <laughs> bong. 
<laughs> Welcome to another Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and as uh, I like to say, I'm joined by Mr. Chris Perkins. Hello. How are you? I'm splendid. We are going to talk about a uh, topic that is going to be very important for folks uh, jumping into Eberron Rising from the Last War uh, that is coming out November 19th of this year. Uh, and it is elemental galleons and airships. Yes. Vehicles that are, I wouldn't say unique necessarily to Eberron, but definitely feature prominently there. Yes. Right? Um, because there's airships. You guys have used an airship in uh, uh, Acquisitions Incorporated. Yeah, we had that the, the battle balloon. Yes. Right, yes. Um, and... Some of its tech was stolen from Eberron, I imagine, because <laughs> there, there are certain similarities. I guess for that sure. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Uh, so, what is it about the Eberron uh, uh, vehicular uh, nature that is is exciting? That's a good question. So, Eberron is a pulp noir campaign setting where you're encouraged to travel great distances sort of inspired by the Indiana Jones movies and the red line tracing across the map going from this place, this place, this place and to Nepal or wherever. Yeah. Um, and the idea of getting around and how you would in a magical society is a very important thing to consider. And so during the creation of, or sorry, the, the concept art period for the original Eberron setting back in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. we brought in a couple artists to help us uh, concept how people would get around magically. Out of that concept art came things like the lightning rail, which we'll probably touch on in some future podcast, and sure. these elemental galleons. I think it might have been uh, Steve Prescott, the artist who gave us our first look at what one of these things might look like. Thanks, Steve. And he basically took a what looked like a ship that you would find in an ocean, put it up um, in the air, and had these struts coming off the side with a ring around the ship made out of elemental energy. Okay. And when we saw his initial concepts for that, we knew we had landed on something unique uh, that we had never seen before in D&D. Uh, the ship with the distinctive elemental ring surrounding its midsection mm-hmm. and propelling it through the air or wherever. We played with different elements after that. Um, the fire ring was the first to show up. Mm-hmm. And then later we did a water version with a water ring that comes up over the ship's midsection um, and then goes under the water. And that's how the elemental galleons are powered. But we had to embed this concept in Eberron, in the world, and figure out who builds these, why, how they're controlled, that kind of thing. You know, yeah, the characters yeah, yeah. can't make one. There's a very specific way to create them. It's very detailed. Uh, first thing you need is the material to build the ship. In the case of an airship, it has to be sorewood, which is very light, mm. uh, buoyant, and hangs in the air well. And the only place you can get sorewood on the planet of Eberron is on the island continent of Aranal, mm. which is the home of the Aranal elves, okay. who are these sort of death worshippers whose ancestors are still alive as undead and living among them. And they don't give up their forest wood very easily. They ration it out. Uh, to people of Corvair, and so you don't get a lot of these airships. There are relatively few of them. It's very controlled because there isn't a lot of sorewood to build them. Understood. Once you have the ship, the critical component to making it a Eberron airship is the dragon shards, which is a unique thing to Eberron. 
so Eberron has a story myth that three powerful dragons created the world, Sybaris, Eberron, Kyber. They fought something. Kyber destroyed Sybaris. She became the ring around the planet. Eberron banished Kyber to the underworld. He became the underdark in the subterranean realm, and then Eberron became the world itself. Anyway, there were three kinds of dragon shards in Eberron named after each of these three dragons. The Kyber dragon shards are the ones that can store elementals in them because Kyber's of the underworld. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah. You know, elemental, all, all that kind of stuff tied together. So you need a Kyber dragon shard to trap what, an... Uh, what is a dragon shard? It's a dragon a, shard is a gem, essentially. It's a crystal fragment, um, a spindle-shaped fragment, usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, dragon shards grow the way crystals grow on Earth, that is to say, out of things normally. Yeah. Sybaris dragon shards being the exception, they actually fall from the sky. Got it. Um, Eberron, you can get on the surface. Kyber dragon shards, you can only get underground. And Sybaris, you have to wait till they fall and land somewhere. Or you need some way to get up there. And it's way, way up there. <laughs> uh, so you get a Kyber dragon shard and you say, I'm going to put it in, I'm going to get a wizard or somebody to put a magical elemental in here. The, that dragon shard is put in a containment uh, chamber on the ship where it is trapped uh, in the Kyber, in the dragon shard, held in a fixture of some kind. And then the ship is designed or built to channel the elemental's power through it, like veins or arteries, to oh. the binding struts that come off the sides of the ship and send the elemental up into a ring that forms around the ship. And it is this it is the power of this elemental that empowers the ship to move. That and its very light, buoyant weight. So it's actually got the the uh, physical elemental is yes. trapped in this gem, and correct? It's like kind of bleeding it and taking it, its, yes. its energy. And correct. How does it project it so that it's a ring around? Uh, magic. Magic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It just because it looked cool. <laughs> and the, and uh, I think part of it is rings are very natural shapes. Yeah. Um, they're they're economical shapes. Um, a square is actually not an economical shape when you're talking about spreading power over a circuit. You want it to be. You know, a circle, a circle. Yeah, okay, that makes and sense. so, um, but not a sphere. It's it's a it's a it's, it's a ring. It's a ring. It's a ring around the mid mid midship. I see um, part of the vessel. Okay, and so it's it's vertical uh, as opposed to lying flat. It's perpendicular to the ground. Right, and so now you've got a light ship. You've got the elemental to power it. The one thing you're missing is someone to control the elemental and someone to steer the ship, mm-hmm. and a, and a method to steer the ship. House Lorandar is one of the dragon-marked houses of Eberron, and uh, members of a dragon-marked house have these tattoo-like things called dragon marks that have innate magical powers within them. And uh, Lorandar is known as the Mark of Storm, and the half-elves of Lorandar are the only ones who have figured out how to harness their dragon mark's power to control the elemental aboard a ship and guide it. So on a Lorandar airship... The pilot is a dragon-marked Lorandar scion. Interesting. So you and need that. They're the only mm-hmm. creatures on Eberron who can control, can control that elementals. Wow. With the technology that they've created. Got it. Now, maybe it's possible you could build a different kind of airship, functionally similar, powered differently by different means. Is House Lorandar the only house that builds these ships? Yes. They have a monopoly. Oh, okay. As the dragon-marked houses do in Corvair... On the continent of Corvair, they they all have carved out monopolies based on the powers that they possess. So Lorandar has got the has got airships and travel, um, just like uh, the dwarves of House Kundarak, which is another dragon-marked house, basically control things like 
mining and banking. Got it. Um, but I digress. So you've got that. You've got your pilot. You've got your ship. You've got your elemental. The last thing you're missing is the helm, the, the device that's basically going to steer the ship through the air because the elemental will just propel you forward. <laughs> it has no direction sense whatsoever. Yeah. It's just providing the motive force. For the control, you need a Sybaris dragon shard embedded in a magic item, which is basically serving as the helm. And it could look like a captain's wheel, mm-hmm. um, the wheel of wind and water, I think it's called, which you... So like a captain wheel situated on the deck of the ship, usually the aft castle, and the pilot mans the wheel. The Sibira shard embedded in the wheel allows the ship to be guided along different courses, backwards, forwards, upside down, whatever you want. All of those things make that. Now, the elemental galleon is, like I said, a variant. It, it just moves across the water instead of through the air. It's a little bit slower, too. It goes about 10 miles per hour, whereas an elemental airship will go about 20 miles per hour. I see. Now, do they have to... You mentioned different elementals. I mean, does a water elemental make more sense to be one of the elemental galleons that goes on the ship? Is that, yeah. is that how it yeah. changes yeah. it, right? Yeah. And air elemental... Air and fire are typically good for use up above. Water for the ground. Earth is useless. <laughs> yes, sink. Yeah. Although, although when I was running a, a campaign, I riffed on that and actually came up with a land-traveling vehicle that was earth elemental-powered. Ah. But it made a mess of roads. It, yeah. <laughs> tore all the shreds. Tore, tore all the shreds. Yeah. So uh-huh. it's sort of an earth sled with an elemental earth ring. That's pushing it forward. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, what uh, – you mentioned there, there's, ra- there's a rare number of them. Like wh- what, what number is there? Like is there tens? Are there hundreds? Um, we don't exactly say because we want you to be able to customize it for your own campaign. But based on the language, you're probably looking at maybe a dozen. Total? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So but they get rare. around. Yeah. They get around. Um, there are common routes that they travel, um, crisscrossing Corvair, and also it's the easiest way to get from the continent of Corvair to any of the other continents of Eberron, including Sarlona, which is the other sort of human-centric continent, and Zendrik, which is a great place to go if you're hunting for Eberron or Sybaris dragon shards. Because it's less uh, civilized, or, yeah, uh, less, or settled. Uh, less settled. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the, they have more chance of finding them from falling from the sky. Right? Exactly. Got it. So it's 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 interesting. These things aren't a dime a dozen. Um, we did an adventure back in uh, when Eberron launched that kind of showcased uh, vehicles such as this, which is cool. Um, yeah, I could see it being uh, a huge just. MacGuffin or part of the part of the mm-hmm. story that you're telling of like yes. oh we have to find the the, the shard you know, or you know yes. being that half elf who's creating my own ship and then I'm right. going to be the captain of it yes. and be learn you know so exactly. you have to get all these parts yeah. in order to make it work. You can also run an entire campaign that's basically hey you are the crew of an airship and you are going about and going off on adventures. Yeah. Very kind of Star Trek: The Next Generation esque. Like where uh-huh. will we set down today and. What trouble is affecting the local region? And, you know, if we step on this grass, will we be put in jail? You know, things like that. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking of the Star Trek episode where... Yes, Wesley. Yeah, very yes, poor yes. Wesley. I was just yeah. trying to catch that ball. I was just trying to catch the ball. <laughs> hey, get off death, my lawn! Death! Death! <laughs> death! <laughs> uh, I, I like that idea for sure, but if there's only, if there's only you know, a dozen of them out there, it feels, uh, you know, very rare. Yeah. That, you know, so that would, you know, you'd be not only just going on adventures, but I feel like it would be coveted by all of their forces, right? Yeah, and if, if, if Lorandar didn't really hold a monopoly on controlling them, you could see how they might become more widespread. But as long as one house is, is dictating, um, that's the way it goes. But actually, the, the, the bigger issue is Aranol, and as I said, the, the wood. The number of, yeah, the amount of sword um, wood. Yeah, 
elves don't like it when you go into their forest and chop down their trees. Well, maybe you could, uh, uh, that's another whole campaign is trying to yes. go in and talk to the elves and see yes. if you can get what you want yeah. uh, to make more. Yeah. They'll yeah. just give you funny, quizzical looks. Yeah. Or just take it. Send you back home with a keychain. Yeah. Yeah. Or figure out how to conquer, you know, the, right. th- that area. Yeah. If, yeah. You know. Or maybe that's what you're trying to thwart is some other house trying to qu- conquer it. And like there's, mm-hmm. yeah, tons of story hooks right. here. And of course, Eberron being, given its noir roots and its pulpy roots, the idea of a sort of murder on the Orient Express story, but in a airship yes. is kind of a fun concept too. That is a great concept. Um, the, the Golden Dragon was, is one of the airships, one of the better known ones and one of the bigger ones. And there was an adventure that was basically that. It's like you got a bunch of passengers traveling together on this ship. Who did what to whom? Who done it? Who done it? Yeah. Solve it before you get to your destination. Do they sell tickets? I mean, is it, is yeah. it are many of them yes. just, just passenger that's, transport? That's primarily what they are, oh, passenger okay. stuff. Um, cargo can be shipped on an elemental galleon or a regular ship. Um, but, yeah. Cool. Part of it, too, is... Uh, but they're, they're good size. I mean, they're like galleon size. So you can fit cargo on the, even on the passenger ships. Yeah. I, w- yeah. I would assume that would that'd be the only way to really kind of make ends meet for it, right? Because you Correct. might have cargo and passengers going back yes. and forth, right? It's, uh, it's yeah. like that airship in, in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Exactly. Yes, precisely. Yeah. And um, one of the features of the, um, the ri- rising from the last war is that we give the DM a lot of information on how to build adventures around these vehicles and how to use them in play. Um, everything right down to a, a table, a, a big master table of mysterious passengers. Oh. Instant passengers, we got... Roll the die. We got a lot of them. That's great. Yeah. And then you can go up to them and be like, no ticket! No. Nope. And then throw them <laughs> off. <laughs> it has to happen. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And there's maps, too, for these airships in there as well, uh, right? Well, there's a, there's a cutaway diagram of the airship. Got it. And then there's... Uh, I mentioned earlier the lightning rail. We yes. put maps of the lightning rail coaches on there Great. Um, because we also expect a lot of adventure to happen on the trains of Eberron. Nice. Yeah. Well, we will get into trains, planes, and automobiles uh, uh, at, a, at another segment. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Chris. Uh, how can people ask you questions about uh, Eberron? I am on Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. Excellent. Yes. Uh, we look forward to picking your brain uh, about more fun things about that setting and, and many others going forward. So we'll be back next week with more lore you should know. That was such good so lore. Much lore in the brain pan. Uh, it's leaking. <laughs> it's like, I have an overflow. My ears like getting oh. lower, like coming out of it. Oh, uh, like, somebody clean this up. It's so gross. Ew, Disgusting. The, there's lore on the floor. Lore on the floor. Gonna get the dinosaur. Replace face. <laughs> <laughs> That's as far as it could go <laughs> before the, the crying of happy tears uh, began. No, I can't. No, I am so hungry, by the way. I am like super hungry. Oh my God, I've got the shakes. You know what I'm hungry for? Listening to John Darnielle from the Mountain Goats Let's, expound. Me too. I'm hungry, but give it to me. Dig in. The last time I saw you, you were sick and having to admin a whole uh, a whole oh, live thing. That was amazing. I, I know, right? I, I really the devil's mustard in my eyes. I was I was at the end of tour and I was having a good time. It was that the was end fun. of Greg's nice. tour. Too. Yeah, so that was at D and D Live. Yeah, uh, yeah, in in May. Yeah, and there were other good bands. I really enjoyed Magic Sword, and there was another band. God, what are they called? They're from Portland. Um, they were so good. Um, uh, the fantasy metal band. 
Yeah. That was Magic Sword. No, there was, uh, there was, a, there was a, library a band led, led by a woman. Um, there was. Who? Cardioid. Cardioid. They were great. Okay. They were so they good. They were so good. I mean, everybody was great, but Cardioid was like, that knocked me over. It was so fun to play after them. You know, I love them. Yeah, yeah. they were fantastic. They, they uh, had that kind of ethereal kind of thing that made it feel like you were in this weird fantasy world, yeah. world very often. No, yeah. it, it shares space with some of the, some of the, the gauzier uh, sort of, there's a metal style that's like Paradise Lost is one of these bands, mm. and Anathema, these ones who do a sort of a gothic metal that yeah. was kind of like Muse. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, so that was sounds of fun. I'm so glad you were able to come and, and, and be yeah, a part of it. I was really glad I was there. Because I know it was the end of tour. That always makes it super hard. It was the hard. end. It was a little hard. But at the same time, <clears throat> it was good because when you go home directly from tour, it really is like coming home from the moon. It's like you, you, you just change or like or changing time dimensions or something. It's like you sort of have to roll adjust. Right? right. I mean, it's sort of like when you have a drive home from work, that can be pretty healthy because yeah. you have 15 or 20 minutes to get out of your work brain and into your home brain. Right? Yeah. And you listen to music or whatever. And uh, with tour, there's never any of that. It's like you wake up the morning after the last show, you catch a plane home, and you boom. <laughs> yeah, you're right in. <laughs> Kids are and that bad. plane ride is not enough. It's like uh, and two days in L.A., it made it a little re-entry a little easier. Nice. So. Nobody claps for you when you walk into the room anymore. Oh, I got two kids. They, 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 <laughs> they clap for you. When I show up, they absolutely dive bomb me. It's awesome. That is pretty good. Yeah, it's yeah. the best. Especially uh, after what? How many weeks were you on tour for that one? That was three. That was, that was three. We're, we're doing. It's a, it's a hard. It's a. It, we're hitting the, hitting the road this year. This is this is our third tour I think so far and then there's another one in Europe uh, just just after this one so. nice yeah and so you're here in Seattle for yep. uh, uh, well in League with Dragons came yep. out yeah that's right people it was massive it was really fun it's like all these uh, the whole performing for the dragon was such a great kickoff it was really cool yeah yeah that was back in in January right or was that early February no early February way. where you, where you were here and we announced that that was so fun it was incredible and then like uh, there was a UK a, a super old school uh, I, I think it's called is it called Dragon Plus? I think uh, the magazine, uh, old school magazine, stattered up the dragon from the yeah. uh, from the front uh, from the front cover and, and gave it a name and everything. It was super cool. What's so, uh, the name? Protector. Oh. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, it was hip. It's like it's been a really, it's been a fully immersive time. It's been great. That's cool. So tell us so about good. the album. What is the what is in League of Dragons? So in League of Dragons to? began life as a as a full on fantasy rock opera uh, called Rivers End about a seaside community whose wizard is dying because most wizards are always dying, right? And so. Right. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, they're old. They've got lots of you know uh, liches coming after them. Even when they don't look old, they're in fact old <laughs> yeah, and, uh, exactly. and, uh, and ancient. And wizards are like default ancient. This is something I think about a lot because if you ever read uh, Mort d'Artour by Thomas Mallory, I haven't, but so I, I know it's... you really should because it's like this is Merlin. I, it might be the first. I don't think it's the first appearance of Merlin, but it's where Merlin's starting to get a little. He, he's beginning to take form, mm-hmm. but he's not old. Right, he's just a guy, right? And as a wizard, he's sort of he's got a trickster aspect to him, where he shows up, and there's all these scenes where he shows up and he's talking to them and giving them advice. And in the middle of the conversation, they realize they're talking to Merlin. Mm. That's the stuff I love, right? It's yeah. really cool. Um, and uh, and yeah, but 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 so um, so it began as a as but a, it began as a as this rock opera where the wizard is dying and. Um, uh, and it's a peaceful seaside community under siege, uh, uh, a- a- attack by sea, who have to defend themselves. But they know the terrain, and the invaders don't. And that mm-hmm. was the main dynamic, is trying to protect the wizard who gets kidnapped at one point. One of the songs uh, survived, the one called Clemency for the Wizard King, kind of the most uh, aggressively fantasy one uh, <laughs> that, that still remained. But I was interested to see what the themes were that were actually around it, because that's what fantasy is about, is yeah. actually normal, everyday human themes with different clothes on, I think. You for know? sure. And uh, and I thought, well, it's about it's about how 
how you how you sort of expect to think of yourself as you grow a little older versus what it actually feels like, mm. right? Because I, I think aging wizards are good at this. If you are a wizard, you know that your powers, that your ability to do magic will grow stronger, even if your access to the magic grows a little harder to get, right? Yeah. But an old wizard knows his spells better, right? I mean, this is like, he's obvious, been practiced. Right? He's been doing he's been it for years. He's the one who can teach the younger wizards, right? But he might not actually be able to, to stand in battle as long, mm. right? And, I mean, I think this is true with musicians and writers. With writers, it's interesting. It's people in general, though, too, right? It like, is. Yeah. But with musicians and movie stars, there's sort of this expectation that you'll do your best work when you're young. Mm. I don't think that's actually true. I think it's a weird thing people got when rock and roll happened, like mm. the notion that, 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 that your best work belongs to your youth. And you do have a thing called first album syndrome that happens for people sometimes where they put all their best work in the first album and they never quite go back on the horse. And then the sophomore album the sophomore is sophomore always like, oh gosh, yeah, yeah there's going to be a yeah. problem. But with writers, you sort of expect that an author's last book will sort of contain whatever the, the core message was. And that's how I feel as a songwriter is like I'm getting better at it even though like, you know, my first two-week tour, by the end of it, I was like, oh, put me right back out, you know. And now by the end of three <laughs> weeks, I do feel like the bus has been running over me instead of it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fascinating, though, because I'm reading this uh, story by uh, Tad Williams. He's a fantasy author. Um, And uh, in the 90s, he had his first series that was take place. And, you know, it's typical uh, uh, coming of age. There was a uh, a teenage boy who, like, you know, gets caught up and then he falls in love with a princess. And they kind of, you know, end of that story, um, you know, they're going to be the king and queen, right? And then 30 years later, he's – is it 30 years? I don't know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's writing the follow-up series, and those same characters are middle-aged and dealing with, you know, the running of a kingdom at, yeah, yeah. at that point. Real-life stuff. Yeah, and so I was a teenager when I read those books early on, and now oh, I'm reading them now. Oh, that's like, cool. Oh, God, I really feel for these characters. They've grown up just like I that's have grown up. That's brave of that. of that author to do also because there is that, if he made his bones on the stories of this young, you know, exciting couple, it's like to go, well, here's my... This is the theme I'm writing about too, and if you don't relate to it now, maybe you will later. Yeah, you know, that's that's that. That's it one of those bold. things. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah. It, it takes a you know. It's hard. It's hard for me to do. It's like I've I've been do, promoting this album for a year. I still don't like to say. Well, it's largely about aging. I don't like to say that. You <laughs> right. know, it's like I make rock and roll. I, I I can imagine being 17 and going cool. I'll take a pass on that. <laughs> it's like, uh, but, You're uh, like I'm not going to do the divorce album that everybody does. But no, I'll, I'll right. do the growing old. That one. will never happen. But I don't and I don't do parenting records. That's like it's a hard fast rule with me. Is like yeah. I'm not going to do uh, any records about how glorious it is to be a parent, even though it is glorious. It so, is glorious, but yeah, you're right. You don't want to do the. Uh, uh, you don't want to do that. They might be giant style and do like kids, kids music. They did, and they do an amazing job. Uh, although I will tell you, uh, if you uh, if you have a child who gets super into that record, uh, you can't get that thing out of your brain. You I really still can't. Have hot, I mean, dog, hot dog, hot dog. There's only one dog. everything. The last time I checked, there's only one everything. Right? There's a, uh, we did that in the ABCs one. But, oh, that's so good. Yeah, you could reinvent uh, yourself like Casper Baby Pants. That's oh, true. Yeah, yeah. He's like he was in uh, Presidents of the USA. Right? Yeah. 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 Which yeah, I no, that stuff is great. Uh, and there's Miss Casey. Saw. There's a there's a songwriter named Miss Casey who gave me her CD at an event who's extremely good and worth looking into. Uh, she's from out in uh, North Carolina and does a lot of super in, in inclusion stuff in her stuff, which is really rad. So. That is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that you're from Durham. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I lived there for five oh, years. Yeah. That's right. You were there. Yeah. I have such a connection. So whenever, you know, you tweet about things or, or, or what's going on in the, yeah. in the home state it's there. It's so different. When was the last time you were there? Five years ago. Oh, wow. In the last five years. Like, you know there's a gigantic gigantic tower down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. pretty wild. They were, I mean, I knew somebody who was in the, like, the building inspector office there in the Durham City, wow. and so they were doing the permits yeah, and yeah. stuff for that, and they're like, this skyline is going to be not the same in five years, and I guess it is. There's several different ones. The ones just looking off 147, all these condos went up. Um, 
that had been one of them was used car lot, but like now it's big buildings. It's it's totally different. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's a, pretty it's it's pretty cool. I mean, we all complain about it because like, uh, <laughs> you know, like Wait. there's well, there's, you get your things that you feel like are like look that that's for. That's for wherever you like the axe throwing bar. Right. You go, you know, does that feel like a North Carolina thing? Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Those are fun They're though. Have you done it? No, the thing my wife went and like I saw footage of my wife throwing the axe. I was like, well, I'm into it. But yeah. And they're always in places where alcohol is served, which yeah. seems like hmm, mm, axes wait a second. And drunk yeah. people. Well, I'm gonna move out here and do the cannabis axe throwing bar. Yeah. And, oh, there you and go. And then I'm gonna get sued out of existence. <laughs> <laughs> they people would be like, oh, wait a second. Oh, that axe would never get I'm going to throw it at your face. (laughs) People just dropping axes on their feet. (laughs) D12 damage. Roll it. Uh, That's awesome. I went to one of those in Brooklyn. uh, Yeah, uh, there's there's a thing. Whatever you think about them, I hear once you do it, it's fun. It is really fun. Oh, I would totally be in there. And, of course, I got recognized there because the guy had like a Death Saves uh, shirt on or something like that. I bought one of those at the the thing, the purple purple one with the old TSR ad. I know. I I love that one. That's my favorite. so cool, yeah. Yeah. There's something about those old ads that don't quite get at what was cool about Dungeons & Dragons, but they were trying. Well, what's cool is like they also, they (laughs) don't know. They're cool now. They're trying to present, I think, they're not quite sure who their audience is yet. And so they're doing, and I think, I mean, I don't know this, but I wonder if they were farmed out to traditional ad firms. I think they were. And so the ad firm is like talking to people and going, so what is it? You go, well, it's a game. It's like, so it's like a board game? No. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're taking what they would go, okay, so it's, it's like Monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the board? Yeah. So, yeah, so I think the they would pieces? just like sit and have one meeting and go, okay, so it's a game. It's a game. Okay, we, we can sell games. We, did, we didn't stuff for Milton Bradley. We got this. Yeah, <laughs> so. right. And then the tagline something like, D&D players are ahead of the game. Yeah, I love You're it. like, oh, that's so not <laughs> really true. <laughs> but okay. Yeah, no, that's a very interesting thing about the ad because it does sort of look like a stereo ad, you know. Yeah. It's super, super cool. You could see Mad Men, uh, you Absolutely. know, uh, people yeah. having those discussions. I would love about to be like, in those pitch meetings. Right. Yeah, yeah me too. That would be. Because it would totally be, you would have to be like one guy every so often being like, well, this sounds interesting. I'd like to talk to you more about it. Yes. <laughs> but for the most part, it'd be people just struggling to understand. You right. Know, you have this when you're hiring publicists in music. If you, you know, nobody, most musicians, I sort of feel like their own stuff is special enough to warrant its own presentation. And I think publicists are like, so am I selling a heavy metal record? Yeah. Am I selling a folk record? You know, what am I doing? And so... It's got to so, be a genre. It's got to be like... Yeah. Fit so you have these hole. meetings where you try to explain what's different. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it's such a contrast now because you, I've been reading articles about, uh, advertising agencies playing Dungeons and Dragons as like creative team building things yeah, yeah. so that they can, you know, g- generate ideas and get used to pitching and, and, uh, uh improvisation together. The you know, improv so. aspect of it is like turned out to me to be one of like the most, what do you call it? When you can move a skill set from one place to another. Uh, Transferable? Uh, yeah. Yeah. One of the most transferable things is like when you play D and D or any tabletop game, you just wind up thinking about that stuff in other things you do, whether you're writing or having conflicts with people. Yeah. You know, it becomes useful for sorting, like, what do I want out of this conflict? Uh, what do I not want? How do I want to be seen? All that kind of stuff. It's really incredibly useful stuff. Yeah. And how you present yourself, all yeah. those things. Yeah, how you align. I mean, alignment we talked about last time is like, yeah. I really think is like, who, who am I in this in this party? Right. Know? Yeah, that's that. I mean, and I and I want more people to to engage with tabletop role playing games for that reason because you're like, oh, you get to think about things that you don't necessarily think about in your daily life. Yeah, it's incredibly like I think I talked about last time is like when I am writing books now, uh, I don't you know I don't stat up characters and stuff, but I do think is like okay, well look, I've got five people here. Um, who does what? 
right? right? Who, right. who is who? Who's here for what reason? You know, what are uh, their roles? Yeah, it's super interesting stuff. So, so you're a novelist too? Yeah, yeah. I have I have two I have two and a half out. I have one that was like a, a music criticism, but it was veiled in a in the form of a story. And uh, oh, and there was a novella for the thirty three and a third series. You know those. Yeah. So I did the Black Sabbath one. Oh, cool. Uh, but it was written by a guy in a treatment center who was petitioning his therapist to give him his tapes back. Right? Oh. And, uh, and then it follows up 10 years later after he's an adult and he has some grievances to address with the same therapist. And he's talking mainly <laughs> through Black Sabbath, right, uh, through Master of Reality. Oh, my God. And then I had two books, one which was about a uh, game designer uh, who does a – Actually, the guy, uh, the Flying Buffalo guy just died recently. Did you hear that? You, oh, no. Do you remember Flying that. Buffalo? Yeah. So, so my, um, my book was about a guy who does a, a through-the-mail game. He's disfigured, mm-hmm. uh, and he comes up with a way to make some extra income by adminning a role-playing game where you, it's turn-based. Oh, interesting. And you send in your turns, yeah. right? Uh, and after I wrote it, I, uh, some people who were into tabletop said, oh, you know, there's actually there's still one that functions that, that used to do that uh, oh. called Flying Buffalo. And, uh, my God. And, so, and then the next one was, uh, was about a... a uh, what is Universal Harvester about? I mean, it's about grief. <laughs> but, uh, but it's about aging and grief. It's about aging and grief, but it, it's also about a video store clerk. Uh, people bring back uh, videotapes and say something's wrong with this. There, there's something, there's, there's scenes cut into it. So it's just Ooh, creepy, creepy, yeah. creepy book about grief. So. That is interesting. I always like that idea of people like inserting uh, frames or things into, Me too. into stuff, yeah, yeah. right? Like that's in Fight Club. In Fight Club, yeah. yeah. It, it, the, the very last frame of Fight Club. And I, I, interpolated scenes are always, I mean, I'm trying to think of what else there is in that. Where, where uh, well, like when, when the, when, I, don't, I think they still don't know who jammed Max Headroom into the broadcast in Chicago. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like it was some guy in a Max Headroom mask jammed a, 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 a terrestrial broadcast and but he was just a guy in a mask doing nothing just looking at a camera going doo, 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 <laughs> like, yeah and, and that like, spawned a whole like yeah. subgenre in, yeah. in a weird way i kind of love that like the yeah. idea of something interfering with a broadcast yeah there's a um uh oh, i'm gonna forget the name of it but there's a fascinating um thing out that is is a uh like a half hour video but it's like it's like a public access table channel type thing where it yeah. goes from various broadcasts to various broadcasts. But it's set in the eighties, yeah. And uh, there's music and uh, performances spliced in there too. So, but it feels yeah. like someone like turning the dial back and forth to various yeah. weird channels and seeing different programming that was made now that's set in the eighties. Yeah, and no, I there's something it. about about sort of uh, sort of flow like that. Like uh, there was a book, uh, you know, the Church of the Subgenius. No. no. So there was, a, there was a thing called the Church of the Subgenius, which was some guys from Texas wanting to come up with a religion, and they took a piece of clip art that you have seen, mm-hmm. J.R. Bob Dobbs. It's a guy with a pipe, yeah. a, a well-groomed guy with a pipe, and they said that he was God's messenger, or he was God himself. Oh my God. And there was this whole religion based around this concept of slack, right? <laughs> uh, needing slack, right? Yeah. Which was defined, the best definition of it was, um, was when you, if you were to walk into a, a liquor store, or any store, right? I think of the card store down the street. Yeah. And just hand them all the money you had in your wallet and say, here, give me this much worth of, of, of that stuff, right? The moment between you handing them that money and them giving you whatever it was, that's slack. Mm. <laughs> like, you know you're going to get something, and it's something good that you want. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, huh. and, uh, and there was, they had a book called Three-Fisted Tales of Bob that was oh, a bunch of like uh, uh, canonical Bob stories. And in them, uh, there was a television station of the future where it was just a few minutes of anything that would then fade up 
and out. So you mm. see a few minutes of a table tennis match and fade down and then fade up on an action movie. Like you'd see a scene of that and then fade that down and then a game show, you know, <laughs> and then some sword and sorcery. And then like, it was just like, it would just flow in and out. You wouldn't follow the plot. You'd just see some of what you needed. Like, yeah. I've always liked that. <laughs> I really like that too because it, it mean, it's, it's, it's ephemeral. It's like you don't know yeah. exactly what you're watching or what it means. And liquid television was kind of like that yes. back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, there's just not enough of that kind of out there where it's just it's weird, not necessarily for weirdness sake, because you yeah, know, but but it makes you question your reality. Like, am I really watching this or not? It's stuff just that not that's not there to meet your expectations. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that you talk about in your business a lot is that where people are at with the notion of fan service, mm. you know, and it's like one thing that's good is to confound expectations. Yeah, but people right now are not usually in a position of wanting that. Right, <laughs> people will complain. Very loudly, if their expectations aren't met. Yeah, right? right. And whereas I think for me and for for maybe readers of a, of a of previous generations, you know, the idea that like I don't get what I wanted, instead I get something that I couldn't have guessed at, is what's exciting. That's you know? really exciting, so, and I think you might be nailing exactly why D and D is so popular right now. Yeah, be- because so much of what we're we're watching, what we're consuming, is programmed. You like, you know, yeah. you know, uh, uh, from the preview of the uh, that's on the the previous episode of like, okay, this is what's going to happen next, yeah. and you know, you know what you're going to get, you know what genre you're going to get, and for Dungeons and Dragons, you might think you know what's going to happen in your you know descent into Avernus game that you're going to start on September seventeenth, but yeah. then you. You don't actually know. You don't, no, and you didn't you even know. know that you wanted it. Because it's, it's collaborative. Right. So it's, it's because it's collaborative, you're going to be the one making it. Yeah. It's like, and, but you don't know what Shelly is going to say, and you don't know how she's going to interpret what no, just happened. And it's that spark but You have of, a little bit of ownership, but there's still a lot of surprise. Too. Yeah, there's, various, and there's dice. There's, 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 there's dice. randomization, yeah. which So no is matter great. how you try to keep it on rails, it's not going to stay that way. Yeah. Because of the dice. Yeah. But going back to what you were talking about with like the splicing in the different yes. thing, like I'm thinking when you were talking, I was imagining a DM doing something similar in a campaign. Yeah, mm. like you would just like your player, you could always like you would never know like where you're traveling through in the world, something new. You, I mean, you could you could do anything. Oh, you could totally do flashbacks. You could exa- yeah, yeah. Ap- do exactly what you were talking about. In yeah, D&D. I, I I want to play in that campaign. I had to. I was I was doing a. A game at, at, at our weekly meetup, and because I have to go on tour, I'm gone for three weeks at a time, and I left a bunch of like fortunes for characters. Are you to the read dungeon every... master? No, oh. I've, only, I've run a couple games. I started <laughs> started running the first game I ever ran is like a game you shouldn't even try running if you unless you've been playing for ten years. It's called <laughs> Numenon. Do you know this game? Uh, I've I've heard the name, but I, mean, I don't know just, much about it. It's it, it's it's a game, but. Uh, but when you read the book, your first question is like, so where's the game in here, right? <laughs> like it's, it, it, it's more like a strange fever dream, but you find it. It's got a domino battle mechanic. It's weird. Uh-huh. But we were playing another game where I just left a bunch of uh, fortune-like things for people to read and work into their thing, which was kind of like that. It's like yeah. a, a drop-in. Because that's – I think randomization is like – is important. I actually think it's one of the things in, uh, in older D&D that goes missing is people get focused on just – you know get through the dungeon and kill the dragon. But you yeah. can do that on a computer. Right. <laughs> you can do that. Computers are better at that. Of like, yeah, just go of just showing rules. you the yeah. exact linear path. Yeah, whereas the makes... point around a table is to make something fun happen. Yeah. So. When did you start playing? When was your first uh, so, experience playing D&D? So my first experience is this sort of uh, legendary story where I signed up. It would have been 77, probably 79 
ish, right? And I saw the poster, and I knew I loved science fiction. And I was at my junior high, and uh, the so poster. Si- what was the poster? It was like a, it was like a flyer that said, "Come join." Okay. Uh, sign up for the D and D club, right? And I said, it "Sounds like I'd heard about it a little bit in reading the magazine Fantasy and Science Fiction or mm-hmm. Isaac Asimov's magazine." Uh, and so I signed up, and I showed up, and I don't even remember how I aligned or anything, but I do know that we ran into a ghost, and I said that we would attack the ghost, and the DM said, oh, you, we shouldn't do that, you'll die. And I said, well, yeah, you know, everybody's got a fighting chance, and he's, okay. And I, uh, and, <laughs> I, and I rolled the dice, and I died, right? And I, and I said, well, I'm never going to play this game again, this is dumb. So I didn't play for a long time. And then after I wrote um, Wolf and White Van, yeah. I became a parent around the same time. And I met my friend Clinton. I think you know Clinton, right? And yeah. uh, uh, who said, you know, we play if you ever wanted to. And I started playing with Jason Morningstar and uh, my friends Kate and John Bolding, and uh, uh, and uh, and started playing every week. Now Jason mainly doesn't play D and D style games. He plays uh, very narrative stuff where uh, where like uh, if there's if there's a dice, it's strictly to point you in this or that direction. Yeah. But we've run several tunnels and trolls campaigns for me and uh, and stuff like that and. Uh, and I actually, what? Which is the edition that's so controversial? Was it third or fourth edition? Fourth was the one. I really want to do a fourth edition campaign. You should. I, I really want to do that uh, uh, because because uh, I want to do anything that, that that people have different opinions about. <laughs> so yeah, yeah but definitely I've been doing that now. For sure. So Wolf in My Van was I think 2011 or 12, and I've pretty much been playing ever since. Sweet. So. Yeah. It's uh, uh, I, I love that you're, you you traced it back from like oh no I'll never play this to like yeah. wait a second I understand now what what yeah. what made that even that failure exciting yeah well no that's the thing is like if I but I, the thing is I was also I think that was an excuse I was also intimidated by having mm. to play with people who already knew what they were doing oh yeah, uh, yeah right it's like that that's really I'm not that I'm what I call a fake extrovert mm. I talk a lot so it seems like a really social person but I'm actually pretty nervous in most social environments uh, yeah and I, I mean I. I, I work with that by being kind of a little overbearing. <laughs> it's like I sort of take control of the discourse. But actually, left to my own, I will stay in my room. I have a, a, a line about, like everybody right now likes to play their video games in multi-user things. Yeah. And to me, massive thumbs down. Video games are between me and the screen. Yeah. I don't want any other people, whether they're virtual or real. <laughs> so, it's your alone time. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's right. I can relate. I can relate. Because, uh, you know, uh, uh, in this job, you definitely, you know, you have to be a little bit, extroverted and yeah, talk yeah, a lot yeah. blah 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 but I need that time where I'm just me mostly with headphones on yep. to drown out the Bachelor in Paradise that's hey. been playing a lot in my house recently <laughs> Wait, what's, um, what's Bachelor in you Paradise? Cannot. Oh it's a terrible reality show where that's people a great uh, question you know, Oh it's The Bachelor it's a version of The yes, Bachelor Yes but it's, it's the worst of the version bachelor. of The Bachelor But does he actually I, I'm, I'm going to imagine so he's, but he's dead right? <laughs> <laughs> and he's, and he's <laughs> the paradise. I don't know. The only thing that really threw me off, and this is a bit of a tangent, but the fact that John Paul Jones is the name that keeps being you thrown know around. John Paul Jones. Yeah, he's the bassist from sure. Led Zeppelin. But you but know, but you know that character. I, well, I, I do mean, now. He's not a character. Because in the, the few person. times I took off my headphones, it, all I heard I was John Paul Jones. John Paul Jones. Interesting story. When I was in Burbank last week. Yeah. He walked by me in our hotel. The Wait. bassist from Les. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! No, he, of course character. he's still alive. I, I was confusing him with uh, with John Entwistle from The Who, who's dead. I was like, <laughs> I was listening to you guys going, "No, wait, John." <laughs> wait, he's a ghost, and, and I tried to kill him, and, and it didn't work. He's, he's the Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> <laughs> he's the Weekend of Burnings guy. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. They should do Bachelor in Hell next. Oh, they totally should. You guys did, we, right? You did. Yeah. We pitched that. We really should. Kind of. <laughs> I don't. Like along with our Real Housewives, come to Avernus and uh, you can pick. <laughs> you can pick a devil that you can go home with. Hell, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I need that 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 quiet time where it's just I don't even want my kids talking to me on that time. So I'm no. like, go to bed, go to bed, so I can just 
zone out and, and do that. I will do some yeah. multiplayer stuff, but most of the time it's uh, it's very much about uh, plugging out. It's funny. My video game time now belongs to my children who are both obsessed with it. Mm. Right? And they're Mario fiends, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And we're playing um, uh, Paper Mario, the first one. Uh, oh, okay. You have to get the, the plug-in to, to a little extra adjunct thing. So my video game time is literally what do the kids want me to play for them mm. because I'm better at it than they are and they want to, <laughs> and they want to advance a little bit. And so so they'll, and they'll get really upset if like, you know, this is a very long turn-based battle and I think I'm done for now. And they're like, whatever, beat the guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Whatever, Get Dad. to the next level. <laughs> That's all you got to do. Paper Mario was so good. I loved how it was basically like Final Fantasy but Mario. I really, really love all, the Thousand Year Door game. Uh, there's a, is, is really great. But we also there's also, uh, what's the Tetris effect? Have you played, played no, that? No, I haven't, but people have been uh, That's pretty great. For it. That's a fun one. Yeah. yeah. So you like more... Uh, not necessarily positional I grew up type on older, things. older video games. I don't. I'm not massively into open worlds. Um, you know, I'm the guy who I think I tried the the first Red Dead one that was supposed to be really big. I was like, you know, no, I I, I like I, I like a dungeon that pushes me in certain directions. Mm. You know, um, like I tried to play that Witcher three that won all the awards, and I was I. I got interested in the card game that you can play in the it. The card game is fun. Yeah, so I, I got stuck doing that. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's all I did too. Once I once I realized I can just do that, I'm yeah, like, just oh. play and, then they, and then they released that game on its own. I'm like, yeah. sure, I'll just play that. Yeah, you guys go fight dragons. I know, right? <laughs> uh, it's pretty. It's pretty awesome, and I love. That's why you uh, latch on to magic. I can yeah, see totally. that totally too. <laughs> um, very cool. Though the rendering, I got to say, like, there's a griffin early on in that game, or a griffin looking thing. It's like it's beautiful to look at. Oh, like sure. That. Almost too beautiful. You're like that's that looks too real. I don't. Well, that's oh. that's. I don't know about you guys for parenting, but a thing happened to me where I've played a lot. I was thinking about the time I logged playing Manhunt. You remember that really sociopathic? Uh, oh yeah, but game? it was also by Rockstar. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then I was doing one of the Rainbow Six games when my first son was born, mm. and I found that my relationship to games where you just go and split a bunch of people's heads open, right, really changed. Yep. Yeah. It was like I didn't. Felt weird about it, you know. I mean, I can still do it. I'm not completely squeamish about it, but it doesn't give me the pleasure it used to. Agreed. So I, would, I, would I totally just, agree. You know, and a it's lot not, more squeamish. A lot. I don't like yeah. any kind of violence. Like I can't. Yeah. I used to be able to like sit in a bar and there would be a boxing match or something yeah. on. Like even now, I'm like I don't want to see it. I don't if, like in movies and in, in video yeah. games, TV shows. But I'm a big like, boxing and horror guy, and I can still do it. But like. But the stuff like, I mean, specifically when I think about Manhunt, where it's mm. like it's very, there's a sadism involved. Oh, for sure. Sadism really is harder for me to deal with now in, in art than it, than it used to be. So Even just shooting in general yeah. Yeah. is a little bit <laughs> off-putting for me Sorry. at this point. My, bro- my, my friend was getting into Fortnite just a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't think, I, I mean, I know it's cartoony yeah. and it's not real, but I just yeah. don't like it. I mean, that and I mean, all the, as as the way to. the world has gone, especially in the past eight, eight to ten years or so, where it's like you, guns just seem a lot less fun yeah. than they used to feel when fewer people were getting well, shot Well, it didn't feel real. Yeah. You know, it didn't. It yeah. felt like oh, this was a fantasy. Right. You know, and yeah. that's fine. So yeah, it gets a little bit. But I, for some reason, the imagination of D anD D never really reaches that level. Well, it yeah, doesn't because feel real. there aren't going to be any dragons involved. It gen- <laughs> I mean, in, in all likelihood, nobody's going to get attacked by a dragon. Nobody's actually going on a quest for treasure. That's all metaphor, right? It's like, and so, so yeah, I can yeah. latch on. More, yeah, more sure. fun for me. So uh, shifting tracks a little bit, I loved your performance with uh, Stephen Colbert. Oh, thanks. Uh, uh, <laughs> a few months ago. That just, I mean, I was happy tears watching Yeah, that, that was, uh-huh. it's funny. So he didn't mention this, but like we were on his former show, The Colbert Report, uh-huh. in 2009, I want to say. Okay. And uh, 
and he was already fond of that song, and he asked us to play it with him, and he came, and we did the same thing that you saw, and it didn't air. Mm. The studio audience saw it, right? Oh, okay. Um, But it never aired. They kept it, I think, maybe if the show had stuck around, they might have done it for a a 10th anniversary or something, but it just went to the vaults, right? Okay. We don't even have tape of it. Peter filmed it off the monitor in the studio, and he, on on a hard drive somewhere, has footage of that, right? Uh, So that was 10 years ago. So to do it again was really fun. It was like, oh, everybody else gets to see it now. So. Yeah. Um, I just love that his, his uh, uh, you don't see that a lot in a, in a talk show host or even any kind of celebrity, but his yeah, yeah. passion for someone else's art just really came through. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, a lot of people love that song. No, it was great. Included, so it just really, I don't know, it was a melding of a whole lot of things. That It was great being, you know, when you're around the TV host, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't consider myself an on-camera guy. As a rule, I'm pretty much the odd man out on camera. But when somebody from that world joins you in music, you can tell that they are sort of watching you for cues. Yeah. And I get really amped when I'm performing and watching, being able to sort of like to drive his energy and have that sort of feedback loop going was really fun. That was really fun. Yeah, yeah. it was and You could see it. You could see so the jumping rapport. up and down. That was really, it was yeah. really super fun. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my one dance move that I can do is just jump up and down. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, those are my people. Those are yeah, my moves. Really- <laughs> <laughs> It was super sweet. Did you dork out with him at all? Yeah, talk about talk any about uh, elves or magic? Um, we talk about music. You don't get as the, the the pace of doing a TV show is really crazy. It's like they show up and they have all their they, there's 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 a walkthrough that you do without him there, and, and the host sort of like it's almost like he's flown in by helicopter. He's dropped in to do it. <laughs> he came. I met his son. His son came and said oh, hello. No way, there was this cool. backstage talking about books and stuff like that, and about the Carolinas. He's from South Carolina, right. so we talked a little about that, uh, and. Uh, and yeah, and it was like, you know, it was like, it's weird touching base with a person 10 years later. It's like, yeah. it's, oh, it, it feels like yesterday, kind of. Right. Know, How so. are things? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's like, but I mean, I I wasn't a dad when I met him before. I mean, it's usually, you know, if you see somebody in that kind of window, it's like, well, how have you been? Well, I live in an entirely different universe right? now. It's like <laughs> all, my, all my priorities are different now. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I could see that for sure. Um, and uh, did you get to see his... Uh, 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 time when he got to play with Matthew Mercer uh, no. on Dungeons oh, & Dragons. They did a one-on-one no. one session. Talk about passion. Oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah, so. No kidding. I'm really, it's really that's, cute. That's a, you know, bucket list type oh, thing I gotta to, watch be that. To, be awesome. to play D&D with, with Stephen Colbert. We're getting yeah, yeah. there. He's, that would be, he's cracking. Stephen, we know you're listening to this. <laughs> you're a huge fan. A In huge all of your spare time. Let's do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be, and, and you can play music throughout it. It'll be perfect. I will be the bard. I usually play a cleric, but I'll do the bard. Nice. I love it. I have that. settled into cleric. That's the thing is like, as, as I'm a... That's a parent. I feel like that's probably something to do with being a parent. Like this I, need to like take care of or nurture or heal. Maybe. I think, I, I think, it's, I, I think it really is finding where I, where I, where I rest. It's mm. like, because I normally wanted to be... Uh, a magic user type, but the cleric is sort of where I where I live. We played uh, this game, Dogs in the Vineyard. You know this one, yeah. And uh, and that was when it was like, no, no. What I want to be is the guy who knows the lore. I want to be, I want to be the guy who has the books. Yeah. Right? So. There's something too about the cleric about you. Like your 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 role is pretty darn clear. Like yeah. You are there to help out and and heal. Yeah. Maybe defend if you need to. It's kind of a nursing role. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind it's, of a nursing it's, role. It's, that's yeah. my old gig. Yeah. Oh so. yeah, that's right. You were yeah. a nurse. So I think I, I saw some people on Twitter to say like they that really appeals to them just because there's no you know there's no oh maybe I'll tank this guy or maybe I'll attack this thing like no that's you you need yeah. a very clear set but you yeah. can be a magic using cleric you can you can you can do yeah. stuff yeah yeah for sure that's the other thing is like I'm either cleric or barbarian uh, <laughs> it's like you're either either I'm helping and healing extreme. or I'm just killing everything so. or you're causing the damage you could be Smacking both Smacking them you all could up. beat him up and then. Yeah, it's going to take years to repair all the damage. <laughs> <laughs> do you play with D&D with your kids? 
Um, so we do uh, – my younger son Moses is really uh, into whatever I'm doing. He actually it's, – uh, it, it's, it's funny. If he finds cards, magic cards around, he will explain the mechanics. He gets them much quicker than I did because mm. he's a kid. So there's less yeah. stuff in his brain. So so he he will explain that this has flying. It means it can't be blocked. Stuff increased with reach. He can totally do that. At three, he can do that. Um, but, but what we – what we did is I like I'm really into dice. I, I forget if we talked about game science dice last time I was here. And, yeah, and all and kinds they of rule, they rule exactly dice. right. Yes, that's right. Zoki has done his last convention actually, uh, but uh, but I have a uh, uh, so Jason who I play with will, will go to conventions and bring back weird dice for me, and he brought a uh, a, a lock dice, you know, a, a lock die that has it has either locked, open, magically locked trapped, and I forget what the other things are. That's so you roll cool. it for what, what kind of door are you facing. Oh, I see. Moses showed interest in this, and so I, uh, and I have a little dice tray a little with a dragon on it that I, that I use. I got off Etsy. And, uh, uh, and so I said, well, this is a lock dice. So you, you start trying to explain to him. So let's say you, you come up on a castle, and you, you walk through the front door, so roll the die. And he rolls it. I said, okay, so it's, it's, uh, it's locked. What are you going to do? And he looks at me. I said, well, we might look around to see if there's a key somewhere. So where will we go? And he got really into this. Mm. And so for about two weeks, this was a daily thing oh, cool. where we would just sit down with it. And I would, I would, you know, I mean, every single scene is just you, you enter and you find a door and what's the condition of the door. And often, because he's a, he's a young child, you wind up finding the pantry and finding food. Right? <laughs> and it's like that's what you do is you find the food and you bake something in there and when you're finding the ingredients, the cabinet's locked and so or, or it's magically locked or it's trapped and you tumble down and, you, and, and we did that. And it's like it was just a, a complete freeform game that almost always involves a castle. Um, and so we did that and we do another version of that that involves uh, just traveling to other countries, getting on airplanes. And, oh, uh, neat. And so, uh, that I mean that's basically you know rolling yeah. on a table. You yeah, know, and and figuring out what you're gonna yeah, find each, next. Each pass, roll something, and then and then I, it, it's on me to read what the roll means. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's that's. I mean, it's that's, super fun. That's he's, the I basics mean, of D and D, right? Really it's really. I mean, it's like it's funny because he's a he's a, a wonderful child who's also when he gets into something, he is fully dedicated to it. So I'll I'll play that for 20 minutes. I'm, then I'm ready to move on to something else. And say, like, no, we're not done. We're not done. Yeah. We're we got to find where this goes. Well, when you cut it off, you go, okay, well, it's time for me to go fix dinner. Like he'll give you this look, like. Whatever. Oh yeah. Cool. Okay, great. I guess we're not bros like I thought we were. <laughs> so, oh man. Cut me deep. He's very deep on that stuff. He's very intense with it. Have oh, you ever like... played Magic Door with Alexa? No. You can. We don't have an Alexa. Well, if you well, if you had one, she's got yeah. an, a skill that's Magic Door. That's essentially a choose your own adventure. Oh no, kidding. Yeah, she starts you mean telling to pick your, your path. I'll pick your path. <laughs> because the choose your own adventure people will come after you if you <laughs> say that. That's not what it is. Yeah. It's not that at all. <laughs> not at all. It's just like it, except it's called pick your path. <laughs> right. Oh my so God. I have, have a nickel bullis thing, and now I'm seeing there's a Gideon Jura one also. What? <laughs> there, I know. Pop is uh, amazing. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> seeing all their, their things, uh, it, uh, it, it, makes, it makes people drool. <laughs> it makes them drool. Exactly. They're local. They are. They're oh, in Seattle. Right? I didn't know They're that. Wow. Yeah. I've never been to their offices. Have you? No. No. Oh, man. I've heard good things. I'm trying to use my downtime to rest and recuperate, and now I'm hearing that they are local. So you <laughs> are going to have to have every tour come through Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. You just came here through when PAX West was last weekend, and so we had a lot of visitors yeah. who were just coming into the city, and they went to I can't to believe you guys are coming to work this week. Like, this is like, <laughs> I'd be recovering from it that. It should be like our week off. Because that's a big thing, right? It's like you, It is, yeah. yeah. A, lot of, a lot of folks descend upon it. We, we do, you know, a lot there, but uh, you can pick and choose how, how, how in-depth you're, you're going to yeah, yeah. have your experience be, but 
but I just love going to see the live shows of people playing Dungeons and Dragons, you know, for an audience. I think that's something really exciting. It blends the worlds of music performance, I think, because they're usually yeah, yeah. smaller. Than, you know, there's only like 200, 300 people usually watching people live doing those things. And it, uh, did you play some, or did you just? Uh, no, I just got to watch. Yeah, uh, yeah. I watched some. The Acquisitions Incorporated uh, thing was at the um, the Paramount Theater. That, that's yeah. not a small crowd. That's not a small crowd. Yeah, that was around you know, <laughs> 2,500 people Good all Lord. packed in, man, hanging on every die roll. You know, too. So awesome. I, I love that. So when you, when something high happens, everyone's like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's a great energy. Very, very different feel, but it reminds me of <laughs> she music keep performances. me away from there because I famously, when when it's time to roll something and you need the win, I will roll a one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely reliably. That will still get a reaction, though. That's <laughs> oh, the coolest yeah. part about it is that people will be like, no! You know, and then, like, you know, writhing yep. and gnashing their teeth in the seats because they want their, uh, you know, their, their favorite characters to succeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, there's something... I mean, I've always kind of equated it to music performance because there is... Something that the crowd gives back and the people Absolutely. are all creating, you know, they're all thinking about what's really happening in their heads at the same moment. And the only thing that gets close to that is being at a, at a rock show or, or at a totally. kind of music thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that, 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 that feedback loop, that, that, that conversation. Right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, I want to incorporate more, you know, music in it too. So we'll make that happen eventually. Yeah, it's interesting. We use, you know, now that, now that Bluetooth will let you just play whatever you want from your phone. Mm. I think uh, you, we, we've done that when we're playing like something set in Russia and something happens and like you can just totally just hear the Russian national anthem, right? And, like, and that, that aspect of, of gaming is, is pretty cool. And there's actually a, I have a, a, a sound generator. That it's an ambient sound that's mainly for noise cancellation. But it's got a lot of forest sounds and stuff like that. And you can really, if you have somebody who's on it, it can totally change the texture of your of your of your evening. Yeah, for sure. We have a uh, um, a partner called Sirenscape uh, that yeah. basically has a, a dashboard for creating sounds in a, in a fantasy environment. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so instead of Specific. being like, oh, I gotta queue up this special thing and search for it, blah blah, you can just press a button and it'll be like, all right, this now we're in a tavern. Oh, that's and, cool. Oh, and, uh, someone dropped something, and there's you know or. All of a sudden, a troll comes out, and a troll yeah, yeah. will happen. And no, you can stuff you, is great. You can yeah. go real deep in it, or you can just do like basic, like okay, this is the soundscape of of Waterdeep, for example. Yeah, but it goes yeah. back to like, do you remember? I don't know if either you're old enough. Um, the, <laughs> oh, the, probably the thrilling, chilling sounds of the haunted house record. Yes, is like, and it was this thing that people would put on at Halloween. Yeah, you would hear it coming from inside the house. A creaky door, creaking door, yeah. an angry cat, a yep. storm, all that kind of oh my stuff. God, I remember that one. Yeah, as soon as you did that, I was like, oh, I, I was, remember that. I was the the voice of the creaky door. It's a legendary <laughs> record, and it's like <laughs> the vocal talents of Shelley Mazzanoble. It's <laughs> my one credit. We're there back yeah. in 1972 Take or whatever. Matthew Mercer. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, think it was from to Disney. Toe. I forget, but uh, I but, do remember that. Yeah, pretty cool. I, I mean, I can see the record. It was orange with mm-hmm. a with a, with a scene of a haunted house on the hill, and the, yeah, and, and everybody like, put their record player out on the porch yep. or something like that, and yeah, yeah, or, or pointed <laughs> the speaker at the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. exactly. Gosh, come see, a long way. Kids these days, they have no idea. We should really, you know, latch into that Halloween type thing because there is so much about that experience that translates now to where D&D and like setting the stage Halloween kind of is actually I was talking about Moses my younger is like he um, he's in a Spider-Man and so he got him a Spider-Man costume and I have never seen anything like this because I'm not when I put on a costume I feel like a guy in a costume you know but, <laughs> but, uh, but when he puts on a Spider-Man costume he fully inhabits it he's yeah. like he, he acts different he talks different he looks at you different he's very into it I took him to the comic convention in Charlotte and uh, and he he posed for a, a green screen thing, mm-hmm. and the second he saw it, he just like transformed. It was oh. so amazing, and uh, and he's 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 super into it. I think I think there's a 
there's a lot of space for Halloween to sort of be yeah. be be thought about in in different ways. Although it's also the parental aspect of that is is all different. Where you just if you're an older parent, you go like. Seems like it's a lot less free form than it used to be. <laughs> right? So. Yeah. You used to be like, oh, I'm a hobo or whatever. Yeah, totally. like, now oh, you got to yeah. have like a specific character. That you're, and you just went out walking, that. whereas now it's like you, you you scope out which neighborhoods are the trick-or-treat neighborhoods. Right? Or you yeah. go like to the business district. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. You always did that. I'm never. I don't, I'm not doing it I don't want to trick-or-treat on businesses. Uh, it's free candy's free candy, man. <laughs> Safeway's candy is as good as the house down the street's yeah. candy. All right. That's a valid point. <laughs> valid point. That's a very good point. <laughs> That's where they got it anyway. Anyway, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Go right to the Go source. To the source. <laughs> <laughs> Who is uh, on your shirt? Uh, this is Beetle and Grimm's. Uh, they are a company that makes um, kind of bespoke uh, Dungeons and Dragons adventures now. Cool. This is Matthew Lillard uh, from. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. He created this company with three of four Wait, of his Matthew friends. Matthew Lillard, he was in um, SLC Punk, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he was at he was D&D at Live. D&D I don't know if he, yeah. maybe you guys just no, didn't cross didn't. paths. Um, but yeah, his company now makes, uh, and they're coming out with one for uh, Baldur's Gate Descent to Avernus. They're basically a big box, and you have the adventure uh, broken out into different booklets, but then there's props, there is uh, maps, there's things that like you can use to enhance your game, so it's not just... Uh, you know, oh, you have to make that all yourself. You can buy it as a package. I can't. It's so. So the thing is, I hardly see any movies at all. And like, usually, if you name an actor, I will go who, who. Right? And like, there's a, a kind of a in camp famous story where we were at a radio station in uh, New Zealand, and a guy strikes up a conversation. I'm waiting to go on the air and, and said, talking to him. And, you know, and I said, what do you do? Oh, you know, I'm an actor. And I said, okay, cool. Well, good to meet you, Sam. And uh, and was Sam Elliott. It was Sam Neill. And, oh, uh, Sam Neill. And, and after he left, like my my handler person was like, "You didn't know who that was?" No. <laughs> and, yeah. like, and and I generally don't know who anybody is, but Matthew Lillard, for whatever reason, left a big impression on me with a. It was, he was SLC Punk. And there's another one like right after that uh, where I thought that guy was great. in Hackers, uh, Scream. Oh, Scream. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah he's amazing. Yeah, well, yeah, well, if it's a horror movie, then there's a much better chance. There's a better chance. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, no, it's, he's fantastic. I mean, we've had him in here uh, talking about his uh, uh, journey. He's been playing Dungeons & Dragons for like 25 years. No so, kidding. That's yeah. his gaming group that yeah. he works with, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so his group got together, and now they're forming. He, he calls it their midlife crisis company. But oh, that's they're, great. They're, <laughs> they're making things happen. That is cool. Beautiful yeah. things. Yeah, I've been actually, we've been, you know, we talk a lot about merch ideas in camp, and uh, and uh, and me and Ryan, we talked about doing a dice set uh, to, to sell it. The oh, for sure. And, and he scoped out some companies. We'll see if we get that going. Oh, so. yeah. Well, let me know if you need any help. That or a tray. It's like, the, the thing is, the trays you buy off Etsy that people are just making by, by, by reconnoitering stuff from like thrift stores and then shellacking, some cool stuff out there. Oh, that is really, really cool yeah. stuff. I like that combination of found object with something that's made. Like, Me too. I like yeah, combining yeah. them. Yeah, feels more like, yeah. almost like something you could find in the world. Yeah, my, our, our merch person, Trudy, she, uh, she uh, knitted me a, my first dice bag and it looks like an owl and it's got a little piece of wood sewn into it. It's oh, very cool. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. Um, I love the treatment you guys did for the In League with Dragons uh, vinyl uh, set that's got the uh, special edition thing with the dragon skin kind of jacket. Oh, yeah, yeah, the outside dragon skin. And then it's a oh. gatefold so you can use it as, as a DM screen. Oh, DM my screen. God. That's it's so, so cool. Yeah, I absolutely dig that, that you guys is leaned awesome. into it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it was like, it was very, yeah, I'm very grateful to merge because it's like uh, you can pitch an idea like that to a label and, and, and then they'll go, well, look, this is a nice idea. It costs a bunch of money, right? That means you have to sell a lot of records. And so, uh, and it's the Mountain Goats. So we will sell some records, but we're not going to sell hundreds of thousands of records. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's like, it, it, it's, it's, I'm really happy with that edition. Yeah. I think, I think vinyl, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you know more than I do, but like, I feel like there's like a, 
a collector's bespoke kind of community that just wants to get everything that's new and interesting. So. Well, yeah, especially since, I mean, most vinyl these days will come with a download code. So if you want to support the music you're listening to, mm-hmm. if you buy the vinyl, you get the download code, then you have a cool thing. Right. right. And there's no reason not to make it cool then. If you're just selling somebody a piece of wax in a sleeve, it's kind of insulting at this point. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's like you should do something. Either the art should be really cool or you should have a spot high gloss sleeve, something that makes it an object worth having in your home. Yeah. You know, we've always done that since, you know, since my earliest editions, I've wanted them to look really cool. So It's working. Even yeah. when they were looking handmade. But like in 99, they were the Corners Gambit that came in a, a paper bag that has story printed on it, right? And then uh. it was on white vinyl. We get the chance to do this kind of stuff. Go harder, go home is a good line if you're making stuff. It's like make the stuff that you yourself would want to buy. Yeah, so. right, exactly. I think collector's editions and things like that, the ones that make you, yeah. like, you know, even the, the people who are making the game or making the, the product, if they want it, then that's yeah. a pretty good sign. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that comes out a lot in gaming. It's like you can tell it's like people are making games they would want to play. So for Does sure. anyone in your band play? D&D? No, I, 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 I've tried to interest them in magic recently. This is not going over. But, <laughs> but no, it's... They're trying not, to get them just to... Like, come on, guys, I need a partner. I think Avell, who is our tech, I think Avell does some stuff. But the other thing is, like, downtime on the bus. The bus is so... You know, I try not to ever complain about my work, but the bus is a hard place to live. And, like, it's... it's yeah. uh, Like, the games that I play... <laughs> the games... So I went and got a bunch of uh, 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 one-player uh, RPGs uh, from... Uh, <laughs> From a uh, uh, drive-through, right? Yeah, and uh, uh, or from free free use stuff. Uh, uh, and there's a game called Hikikomori. Do you know what Hikikomori? Is? I don't know. It's a shut-in in Japan. A person who, oh, okay. who sort of has forsworn the world and just and, and it's a sad, depressed condition. Mm-hmm. And there is a game where you where you're one of those people, okay. right? That's a game, and you keep a diary, right? That's a game I play on the runners. <laughs> do you have to like roll for specific things that happen to you? Yeah, and then you're you like, do. what do you do about it? Yeah, you roll for for like dealing with people who try to make conversation with you, <laughs> right? <And stuff> like <laughs> that. <laughs> that sounds really interesting. That does sound well, interesting. And it's also you can play it in a sad way. You can play it in a sort of angry way. I mean, it's like there, there's a it's it's not really a fun game, but it's a realistic game. <laughs> so, uh, and, and it's the only one you can play as a shut in on your bus by yourself. There's another one called Quill, uh, where it's a letter writing game. I think oh. That's how you. There's there there are one. I seriously think there's a lot of room for working with how you would play games by yourself, right? For sure. Um, uh, which is interesting because I think a lot of us who do tabletop stuff might have some social anxiety issues that, like, you know, who would like to see is like, what about when I don't want to hang with people, but I do want to play right. a game, right? And I don't want to do it digitally. I don't want to play on a but computer. Yeah, but, but I don't yeah. want to go on the computer and, and get yelled at <laughs> and stuff like that or get owned. You know, and so uh, there's a, there's a lot of room in there, but it's hard to think of imaginatively because when you think about play, it is social and it's also good. You know, it's good for me that I have a weekly game group. That's that's healthy for me yes. to show up and play with people. Yeah. You know, it's good. So, uh, but yeah. yeah, but every once in a while, you want to do something that's a little bit more relaxing. If you live on a yourself. bus, it's like. For me, what? that was always making characters, like just creating. Rolling them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. rolling them up and standing them and be like, right, what is this backstory? What's that all about? And it sounds similar to the, the games that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You're basically creating that that character, yeah. you know, and, and, and role-playing it out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Have you played Dungeon Mayhem? No. We're going to get you a copy. Okay. Great for your kids. Excellent. It's a D&D card game. Yeah, yeah. For oh, kids. man, Moses will be massively into that. Yeah. Oh, totally. Lot, uh, you know, not as complicated as the, yeah. the rules behind Magic, so he'll learn it like yeah, yeah. even faster. Oh, he'll be, he's so into games right now. He got into, oh, this was adorable. Uh, he got into Uno right? oh, nice. uh, over a beach vacation. And uh, and he got really into it. And again, like if you're playing Uno with Moses, you're going to have to find a very good reason to stop playing. Right? <laughs> and, uh, and he, uh, and one day I look over at the table and he had found one of my deck boxes 
and he was writing his name on it. <laughs> it was like that was for his Uno deck. Oh, <laughs> nice. But he also, because he's seen me deck building, he's he building. started building his hand in a way that it would draw well. Yeah. And Smart. then he's like, you shuffle your deck, but I'm not going to shuffle mine. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. We had to explain to him, like, no, that doesn't go in Uno. That's you have not to shuffle the, the deck. Oh, my God. <laughs> I remember doing that as a kid with Uno when you're yeah. like playing with cousins or whatever, and you're like, all right, I'm going to put all the skips yep. on the fourth card in here. Okay, let's everybody. Oh, I've got all the oh, skips. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he was me. fully doing that. He was loading it with a bunch of draw fours for <laughs> you. <Smart kid. laughs> so we played Uno this past weekend, also on a beach vacation. And I've never seen this card come up before. It was Swap Hands. Oh, I love Swap Hands. Okay, so I played it. My son had Uno. Yeah. I had like 100 cards. And I drew Swap Hands. And I was like, Swap Hands. There you go. It's and vicious. he goes, yeah. no, that's not what that card does. And I said, it's definitely what that card does. It U- says right here, you swap hands. The nature hands, of Uno goes, is it uses right what it says. He goes, no, it means that you have to take those cards in your hand and move them to your other hand. Oh. No. I, <laughs> nice try, buddy. I know. What's up, like, rules lawyer McGee? And he was like, just like so adamant. He was, it was so clever that I was almost like, Okay. Yeah, no, it's hard then, to. Because like, no, you, you only wanna... hold your cards with one hand, <laughs> and you have to be like, nope, the other hand. Oh, I have to use this. What mechanical? <laughs> what would be the point of that? <laughs> well, you got to do what it says. He was horrified. Is there like a pat your head uh, <laughs> card that you have to play? That is great. I never that's saw that card great. before. Is it new? Yeah, I've never seen. I it love it. I think that that's exactly my kind of rules mechanic. Oh yeah. Like, like a, there's a, a a magic called card called shared symmetry uh, that, that I really like. It's stuff that. Like throw your hand away cards. Yeah, love yeah. Stuff like that. You'll like love reset. Dungeon Mayhem. Yeah, type yeah, things. Yeah, because yeah. there's, there's one in Dungeon Mayhem vamp- that's like Swap Life, Vampiric Touch. Vampiric oh, Touch. Love stuff. You're like gonna that. love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. all of a sudden, someone's winning. Wait, nope, no, you're not because we're switching with me. We now have I each absolutely hit love things like that. Yeah, 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 it'll be fun. So you have your uh, uh, gig tonight at yep. Showbox. Yep, that's gonna be super fun and tomorrow. And tomorrow, at New Rose. yeah. Um, uh, are there is this, is this the end of the tour you got some oh, more no, dates no, coming up in the middle this is to, uh, this, we, we finished one week and there's two to go so we're doing here Portland Vancouver LA Anaheim uh, San Francisco I miss San Francisco in there and I, we end up in Vegas somehow or another sweet yeah alright well, that's a good way, way and to and then end. there's another tour this year then me and Matt do the duo tour which is a whole different uh, thing and we're doing that to Europe so we're going to okay. London Ireland uh, Norway uh I have a date to play Magic in Norway with a fellow that I know from from who I draft with. Who oh, sweet! Really oh, excited awesome. about that. Well, that's <laughs> and, uh, awesome. Uh, and so, so yeah, going over there. I forget where that one ends. Uh, but we go to Holland. Yeah, it's, it's all over the place. All yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. That's Good what. That's how album release year goes. You, you go to as many places as you can as you can do. Yeah. So. Well, exciting. I hope folks who are listening to this uh, go to see one of those shows. Yeah. It's definitely worthwhile. It is a fun show. It yeah. is a great show. Yeah, you do good work. Thank you. Good Thank work. You. Oh, I have a, I'm, I'm blessed to have a good band. <laughs> it's mostly them. Yeah, yeah, no, it, but it is. It's the thing. It's like I'm the band leader, but I seriously like – well, it's like when you are the DM, you are responsible for everybody having a good time. But who makes the good time? Your players make the good time. Exactly. So. Yeah, that's a good way to a good analogy. You are that the makes DM sense. Of, I mean, of the band. I am indeed. I, I I write the set list, but it's up to the band to make it work. So very cool. All right, well, go see the Mountain Goats. Uh, we love that you have a passion for for gaming and uh, magic and D and D and all those yeah, things. Yeah, no, it's so, a blast. 
Uh, so next time you're in Seattle, uh, you know, I will see you right back yeah, here. Yeah, we're going to draft some, some more. Dates we got to roll Seattle. some roll some dice one of these days too. Yeah, I know we got to do that. We got to do that. Absolutely. We, you got to you got to play fourth edition with me. We I will. I totally will. <laughs> that's what my like. That's when I DM the most was during uh, Is that right? fourth edition. So I'll I'll, I'll take you. I'll oh, take I you really really want to do that. So. Yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, especially if you got all the minis. That's the fun part of yes, like, yes, you know, yes. moving them around on that on that sheet. Oh man, I was I was going to the shops that had them before the minis were reified when they were pewters. Right. Mm, I, I had yeah. a pewter Gandalf and a pewter Gollum back then. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Oh, do you that still have them? Stuff. No, those got lost in a movie. I mean, they were tiny, but like I, that they existed because I was a huge Tolkien fiend when I was 11 and 12. Mm-hmm. And like that I could get a little, and it was heavy. It had a little bit of weight yeah, in it. Yeah, when it has heft, it yeah. so means so cool. much more. Oh, my God. So important. It was like that was really the, the hippest thing about the, the little pewter Gandalf I had. I had, I had a tree beard also. Really Ooh. cool stuff. Yeah. Was it big? Like a big tree beard? No, no. They were, they were just, they fit in your palm. And oh. so you sort of had to look very closely at so them. So it wasn't to scale. It was no. the tree beard. I mean, because he's, you know, 20 feet tall, right? 30 yeah. feet tall. So. Well, he was, it was bigger than the Gandalf. Oh, it was okay, like, okay. Uh, so they were to scale in that term. But the Gollum was really tiny and he was holding the ring aloft so you knew oh, exactly what scene it was from. Yeah. It was really cool. Oh my gosh. Now yeah. I want to go nerd out and watch some Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> yeah. 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 Reread those books with my kids. They're getting to that age. Oh, are so, you really? Yeah. I'm going to start. I have the illustrated Hobbit that I really want to pull oh, out. Oh, yeah. Soon. I think man. we have that. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. That's an exciting thought. Spark those, spark those uh, imaginations going. Yeah. But don't do Beatrix Potter because as a parent, you'll go, you know what? I think actually that's. Have you tried Beatrix Potter? No. Is a rabbit? This is a very violent book. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. The Tale of a Fierce Bad Rabbit. Oh. A lot, lot, of, lot of rabbits getting shot yeah. in these books. <laughs> it's like, and it just not, reads. Not a lot of love for rabbits. So, <laughs> I, I'll tell you this it's story. Like before down before down the oh, my God. It's, oh, my God. It's not rabbit on rabbit. It's like I made the mistake of taking, like my, <laughs> taking, my, taking Roman to see Watership Down when he was like four. Oh no. And I had forgotten. And Oops. it's like, and as soon as the cull begins, it's like, buddy, let's, let's go let's get some ice cream. Yeah, right. The tail snakes, Maggie. Yeah, he's he's more of a Spider Verse guy, which is the greatest movie. In oh, that is the a last good movie for sure. Oh, God, I love that movie. All right, so what was yeah. the story you want to end on? Uh, um, uh, oh God, what was it? It was uh, I don't Beatrix had, Potter it had to do with Beatrix Potter and uh, oh, oh, I was going to say it was funny. So my memories of these like these are great children, beautiful children's books yeah. from from the old old school of telling stories well and in beautiful sentences and everything. I grew up on those. Right? Mm-hmm. My wife did not; she's younger than I am, right? And so I open, I, I get one of these books. I'm going to read it to Roman. She looks like goes, these are horrible. And I was like, "What are you kidding? It's Beatrix Potter. She's the best." Goes, Look, I have no previous relationship to these books. I'm telling you, as a parent, these are terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I wanted to defend them. And then I read them. I go, "Wow, wow. these are incredibly violent books." Oh man, <laughs> but they, like, do they have good lessons? Lessons at least, and good characters. Yeah, well. Uh, I mean, sort of, but some of the lessons are very much mind your own business or you will die, right? Oh, <laughs> it's like, I know. You know, behave, right? Like they're very, they come from an older school of the way you think of children. Right. I mean, they are sweet at their core, but I'm not going to read them to my kids. They can, they can find them when they're seven. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm like that with uh, uh, C.S. Lewis and the Narnia books. Where yeah. I'm like, oh, I loved those books as a kid. I and I'm like, wait a second. So this much. is just a um, you know, metaphor yeah. for, for religion. And I'm like, nah, I don't know if I want to get that. Man, I wondered. That's, those were, so my dad and I had bonding moments after the divorce that we, we discovered C.S. Lewis together. And mm. I was literally seven, or, seven years old. And we read Lion, the Witch, Wardrobe together. Oh. And he got it. And to me, it was just fantasy. You know? Yeah. But, but I mean, I just loved it so much. We'll see. I, those those would be the ones I'd be like, 
I don't care how appreciative they are. Those are great. So, <laughs> there, there is a lot of uh, uh, you know, just going to another world. I think is yeah. a really fascinating thing for yeah, a no, child. The, the first like scene of going into Narnia. I mean, that's the, that's one of the most important reading moments of my life. For sure. Yeah, because I didn't know fantasy like that could 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 do that. Could transport yeah. you like that, and it yeah. really did. So I, I'm with you there. Yeah. But now I want to do that with uh, with D and D for my kids. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Well, thank you again so much. My pleasure. Um, uh, everybody should uh, know and, and listen to more Mountain Goat stuff out there. And uh, hopefully this interview will make that happen. Awesome. It will. Thanks oh, for having me. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you. you guys. That was fun. I adore that man. You he do. has so much just creative juices flowing through him, and it just comes out in the way yes. he talks. Yes. Uh, I feel like we're very similar in being able to talk on microphone a lot, perhaps <laughs> too much, but then needing to go home and just be like, don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Don't even do anything. I need to play my games. Right. Yeah. Put on my headphones on, yeah. and I'm going to write letters to myself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, he didn't say this in the interview, but when I was walking him to the studio, he said that he wasn't sure about the parking lot. He parked further away, and he was a little nervous because he had a lot of magic stuff in the car with him and yeah. his guitar. And he was like, I left my guitar, but I took all my magic stuff with me. <laughs> like lugging it around the building. <laughs> like it was going to get taken. Yeah, he's uh, like, I here. don't know. I'm too paranoid. I know, right? I love that he kept his guitars, like the and actual like, way yeah. he makes his living. Like, he's I like, can, I don't care about I can that. get a new guitar. It's like, I'll never replace this box set. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, big fan of magic. I love that he is uh, playing it as much as he is. But yeah. he also just loves being creative and, and talking about Dungeons and Dragons. So yes. good stuff all around. Love it. Uh, I, I said this in the interview, but if you have not paid attention to Mountain Goat's music, you should listen. It's very creative. It reminds me a lot of D&D and creating of, of uh, a description of, of a place very well in his lyrics. Uh, so do it. Yep. Make it happen. All right. Anything you want to talk about before we jet out of here and have some lunch? Let's, no. Let's just say that this, well, you know what? Greg's already eating. I'm already eating my lunch. Sorry. The last part of this year is going to be... Real fun for you, D&D players. Breakneck pace. Oh, my God. There's so thing. much good stuff. There is a lot of good stuff. Yep. So, uh, Avernus, uh, Baldur's Gate Descent to Avernus, September 17th. We got Tyranny of Dragons, October 22nd. Only in game stores, covered by Hydro 74. Beautiful. Then, Eberron Rising from the Last War, November 19th. Uh, plus Rick and Morty, or Dungeons Dragons Dun- versus yes. Rick and Morty. And Battle for Baldur's Gate. Battle for Baldur's Gate. Plus much, oh, about 15 more things that uh, we haven't announced yet. Oh, my God. Those are coming in 2020. Boom! I just made that up. I don't know. Is it 15? Probably about 15. I'm going to stop talking now because I see that there's a rock above us, Shelly Matsunoble. That's fine. How can they follow you on Twitter and ask you about whether or not you should touch that rock? Uh, You can follow me at Shelly Moo. Just let me know if you think I should move my seat. Well, ask me. I'm at Greg Tito. Um, and I want to give a shout out to Ryan Marth, who produces this show audio wise. Yay! Yeah. Ryan! Shout out to Pelham Green. Woo! Shout out to Lisa Carr. Yeah! All the people who make this happen, uh, including my wonderful co host, Shelly Mazanoble. Oh, lift you up. Where you belong. All right, yeah, I think you can touch that rock. Just go ahead and see if it works.